It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Lindsay Belenti. And I'm Madison Stengel. And we're the hosts of Ye Old Crime, where we discuss the funny... Hey man, he's a nice guy. And they're like, no, he's disgusting. He has hooves. Strange. There are EVPs of spirits saying, get out in a room where patients committed suicide. And obscure crimes of yesteryear. Here, Justin. Here's your first phallic amulet. Join us Wednesdays, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime. Welcome to another episode of Leave the Lights On, brought to you by Podmoth. And I hope that you are having a wonderful whatever day it is that you are listening to this episode. As always, I want to thank you for choosing to listen to this show, as I know you have tons of options out there to get your true crime and paranormal fix. And it really humbles me knowing that there are people out there that not only love the show, but really, really care about the show. I also want to say another thank you to those who continue to subscribe, rate, and review us. Uh, it really does help the show as I talk to you guys about it all the time. And last week's episode, we kind of saw a lull in the ratings department. However, this week, you guys really stepped it up, and I really do appreciate those of you who did leave a wonderful comment and a five-star review on Apple. Thank you. Thank you very much. Another thank you goes out to those who are my Patreon members. We just received, or rather the show just received another member. Thank you for joining and supporting the show. You could be one of these members just simply by going on to lightsonpod.com click our support page and find the Patreon link. Once you click it, you're there and you can see all the tiers that I have available. Well, I should say there's only three, but you can become a member for just as little as a dollar a month. And that opens up a ton of possibilities for you and these little goodies such as the Crime in 10 and uh, ad-free episodes. And really, guys, this is probably one of the best ways to support a podcast. Another way you can support the podcast is simply grabbing some merch. I do have our store open and you can see we have our boo sheet shirt. We have our uh, social distancing champion Bigfoot shirt and then also tons of items with the show's logo on it. Grab yours and show support for the show. All of this money that you guys so lovingly give to the show goes right back into it, into the maintenance. Um, One of my goals is to get a new microphone for the podcast, and I can't do that without your help. So 
head over to the website again, lightsonpod.com. That's where you're going to find everything that you need to support the show. Now, before we get started, I just kind of want to make a correction about last week's episode. In the end, I mentioned a podcast for you guys to go check out and I called it Kudzu Killers or sorry, Killer Kudzu's podcast. That is not the right name. The right name for this podcast is Kudzu Killers Homicide and Sweet Tea, not the Killer Kudzu. So please, I do apologize to that podcast. It was late night, really bad week, wasn't really thinking. Go listen to these wonderful Southern girls discuss homicide in true Southern fashion. As you guys know, I'm a Southern girl myself, so we girls got to stick together. Go check them out, though. They are amazing. You can listen to their podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, that is Kudzu Killers, Homicide, and Sweet Tea. All right, so let's go ahead and really get into this case. And I I will have to say, honestly, this is probably one of my most beloved cases so far, or at least to date, because just the way that they were able to, to solve it was absolutely fascinating. And uh, I will discuss that as we really get into this, but it's just, wow. Wow is all I can say right now. So today's case takes us to Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is home to Fort Bragg and a stretch of road called Ramsey Street. Every day, cars trundle up and down this corridor. At first glance, the stretch of road lined with a number of restaurants, gas stations, family businesses, and residential areas looks like any other American street. There's even a church with a pristine white steeple across the street from a quaint little animal hospital. But for six women, Ramsey Street and its surrounding areas represented something far more disheartening and tragic. It was here that they were each raped by the same man in separate incidences between March 2006 and January 2008. On August 2006, around 4 or 5 in the morning, a woman, dubbed the runner by authorities, left her house like normal to go for a run down Ramsey Street. This was when a man came running out of nowhere, grabbing her and hitting her with such force, she would later say it felt like being hit by a Mack truck. This impact would send her and the man into the bushes near the road where the attacker would rape her for 45 minutes. The woman would report what happened to the police, but wasn't able to provide an accurate description of the man because she couldn't see him. The next report attacked happened six months later on February 12, 2007. The victim was home alone in her apartment, which was located on Babel Creek Court just off of Ramsey Street. And just like a nightmare, the attacker broke into her home. He then proceeded to sexually assault the victim. And again, the attack was reported to authorities, but the victim wasn't able to give a good description of her attacker because she wasn't able to see him. In March of that same year, another attack happened on Ramsey Street this time to a 15-year-old girl who was just sleeping in her room. This was no longer just a random set of attacks. Fayetteville had a serial rapist on their hands, and he wasn't done. On September 18, 2007, officers responded to another attack in an apartment complex on the north end of Ramsey Street. 
The resident was then 21-year-old college student Kobe Hutchinson. Her attacker came in through a sliding glass door. Years later, Kobe would upload a then-anonymous video explaining to authorities what happened to her on the night of the attack. Kobe hoped it would lead them to finding whoever did this horrible act. In the video, she said at the time, her roommate had a friend staying with her. The attacker told Kobe if she made any noise or tried to get anyone's attention, he would also rape them. Not wanting to put the other two women in harm's way, Kobe went into what she called protective mode, letting him violate her. Kobe told CBS 17, quote, I never had to fear that he was going to kill me. I just didn't want him to get back into the apartment to get the other two girls, end quote. When questioned about what her attacker looked like, Kobe said the following, I never saw his face. When he broke in, I actually had a pillow on my face and he kept my face covered the whole time, so I never saw his face. This actually was an important clue as authorities were able to understand that all of these crimes were meticulously planned by the attacker. As the attacks kept happening and investigations failed to turn up solid leads, residents found themselves living in a state of constant fear that either themselves, their mothers, daughters, nieces, or female friends would be the serial rapist's next victim. And this documentary that I was watching on, you know, the Ramsey Street rapist, they actually said that gun cells went up that during this time. Um, they even said that the police officers offered a defense class for anyone, and they said that they were not only booked, but they were overbooked, and they had to provide like six additional courses just to be able to fit everybody in. So you can kind of just imagine everyone was on high alert. And this town is, it's not a small, small town because you do have the, the fort there, but it's still a very small community vibe. And everyone kind of knows each other and feels safe. And to have that safety violated, it just wasn't something that was happening. However, the final attack happened on January 26, 2008, and police were more than ever determined to put whoever is doing this behind bars. But there was one massive hurdle that they needed to overcome, getting an accurate description of the attacker. Each victim could only give a generic description. From early 20s to 30s, white or Hispanic male between 5 feet 8 inches to 6 feet 3 inches, smelly, oil, clothes cut or shaven dark hair, and average or medium build. At this time, this could have been anyone, and because of this, authorities treated everyone as a suspect. But one thing all victims had in common was the presence of the attacker's DNA. This was gathered through rape kits that all six victims willingly participated in. And this is unprecedented, as rape kits are very invasive, and for a woman or even a man who has experienced something traumatic to have something even further invade your body is another level of traumatizing. So to have these women agree to rape kit is it's just something that often doesn't happen, or at least it does, but it's usually one person out of six or ten. And to have all six women agree to it, it's just it's sadly, um, I'm trying to say my words appropriately here. 
it's happy, but I know that it's not a happy occasion. It's it's good news, bad news situation. Authorities would then send the DNA to CODIS in hopes of getting a match. But what's interesting about this case is they did get a match. However, it was to a crime where there was another unknown perpetrator. This match was to a Peeping Tom case in 2004 in Harnett County, just north of Ramsey Street. For authorities, this was wonderful news as they were now able to link the case. However, this was another case where authorities didn't know who did it. But this did give authorities a look into the timeline of when the attacker may have begun his assaults. Now, usually offenders start peeping or exposing themselves, then escalating to full-on rape. And this is kind of just one of those things where they were able to pinpoint where and when this man's serial rapist career started. And that is actually very important and it will come back up later. Now, the 2004 case may be the essential clue authorities needed to catch the serial rapist. In early 2008, Fayetteville police called a press conference to give attention to the case. They called on the public for help in hopes of gaining more leads. But because the attacks suddenly stopped, authorities feared their serial rapist just left town. Since Fayetteville is a transient town due to Fort Bragg, it's normal for men and women to come and go. But for now, all authorities could do was wait for a match on the DNA. In 2014, the Fayetteville Observer did an op-ed piece on Lieutenant Kelly Berg. She had been with the case since the first attack. In the article, Berg said that the cases have been deactivated. But every year, she would call and check up on the victims as she wanted to let them know they weren't forgotten. Years would go by, and the case would just get colder and colder. In 2015, Berg handed the case files over to Lieutenant John Summerendike in hopes that a fresh pair of eyes would turn up something new. Summerendike was a fanatic for genealogy testing and thought it would be a great idea to use the Ramsey Street Rapist DNA to see if anything would turn up. So he reached out to a Virginia-based company called Parabon Nano Labs. Parabon provides DNA phenotyping services for law enforcement organizations, as well as other pharmaceuticals. Now, I'm sure you were like how I was, asking, what is DNA phenotyping and how does it work? Well, according to Parabon's website, traditional DNA forensic matches STRs from a sample to a known suspect or database. DNA phenotyping can generate new leads about an individual even if they have not previously been identified in a database. DNA phenotyping takes advantage of modern SNP technology to read the parts of the genome that actually code for the differences between people. The snapshot DNA phenotyping system translates SNP information from an unknown... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Individuals DNA sample into predictions of ancestry and physical appearance traits 
such as skin color, hair color, eye color, freckling, and even face morphology. Each phenotype prediction is made with a measure of confidence, including those that can be excluded with high confidence. The end result is not only a printout of the person's DNA traits, but a composite image of what the potential suspect or missing person may look like. For Summer and Dyke, this was the break in the case they needed, an actual composite image of the Ramsey Street rapist, something they never had before. This would be a great tool that would help the police rule out non-potential suspects. Remember, when the case started, authorities thought everyone was a suspect because of the generic descriptions. Now, they have it narrowed down and hopefully would bring justice to the six women. And this is just absolutely cool because I got to see the pictures of this um, this phenotyping that they did, and I was actually able to compare it later down the road, and it's just absolutely fascinating to see that this technology actually was pretty spot on for the most part. And it really did help the the investigators rule out people that wasn't a part of this. They were able to truly narrow it down. And this was pretty hopeful because they could say, okay, well, let's go question these three people versus these three million people. Now, in December of 2016, police released the DNA snapshot reports, which included a photo. Summer and Dyke warned the public that the suspect has aged 10 years since the attack and is 10 years wiser. As you guys know, I'm going to be posting these photos. Uh, Like I said earlier, they're really, really spot on once, you know, we kind of start making the connections here. And it's just also something really fascinating to see that they were able to create this image just based off of the genes and the whole process. Um, Mind blown for me personally. After the press conference, Summer and Dyke received a few leads, but none of them really panned out. So he went back to waiting. Then something extraordinary happened in California that would propel the Ramsey Street case further than authorities ever could have imagined. Hey y'all, I'm Kim. And I'm Lark. And we host Kudzu Killers Homicide and Sweet Tea. Each week we discuss the juicy details of real life murders that happened in the southern U.S., sometimes with inappropriate laughter, but we're always respectful. They may be old or they may be recent, but whatever we find that perks our interest. We download a new episode every Tuesday and another mini episode on Friday. You can find us on all the major apps as well as a few minor ones. But we'd love you forever if you just drop on by our host page at Spreaker.com and pick your favorite app to download and listen. So y'all come on, sit down with us with a big glass of sweet tea and enjoy listening to us talk all things murder. And remember, don't bury the bodies without us. In 2018, California investigators arrested the Golden State Killer Joseph James D'Angelo, who committed at least 50 rapes and 13 murders in the 70s and 80s. Police revealed that their breakthrough of the decades-old case came from searching on free open-source websites that allow people to share their genetic profiles in a bid to find relatives and assemble family trees. 
Chief Deputy District Attorney Steve Gribby said officials began exploring online family trees through GEDmatch to match DNA that was collected from one of the Golden State Killer's crime scenes. From there, they investigated individuals within those trees in order to narrow down a suspect. Summerndike, along with the rest of the crime community, watched the Golden State Killer press conference with excitement about how this new DNA method would solve so many cold cases. And for Summerndike, he saw firsthand how this DNA method could work. A week before the Golden State Killer announcement, he used an Ancestry website to track down his wife's birth mother. Confident this could work for the Ramsey Street case, Summer and Dyke contacted Parabon, who then began their own genealogy test using the DNA collected from the crime scene. This is when Cece Moore joined the team. She is the head of Parabon Nanolab Genetic Genealogical Unit. Cece didn't start her career in genetics until 2003. Before that, she studied film, theater, and vocal performance at the University of Southern California. CC has been a key player in a number of human identification cases. In 2014, she was the genetic genealogist who worked with the Brom family on the Thomas Ray Lippitt University of Utah artificial insemination sperm swap case. I know, that's a mouthful. Using the results from Jed Match, CC began to create the genetic tree. But what I would discover in the show, The Genetic Detective, Cece didn't only use GEDmatch. She had to comb through family archives, newspaper articles, census records, obituaries, and even social media. Now, I could go through the whole process of how Cece used this family tree to narrow down the identity of the suspect, but I would just highly suggest watching Season 1, Episode 5 of The Genetic Detective. Cece does a wonderful job explaining on how she arrived to the results And honestly, I just couldn't do it justice. With this exciting information, Cece sent an email to Summer and Dyke with bold text, stop the presses, do not go to Raleigh, call me first. Summer and Dyke would then call Cece, where she would tell him that she believed the Ramsey Street rapist was Daryl Wayne Bowden. Authorities had to verify Cece's findings, but Summer and Dyke was confident this was the guy police began digging into Bowden's past. Turns out he used to live in Harnett County where the Peeping Tom case was located. Now he lives right off of Ramsey Street, five miles north of the city limits. Also, they saw he had records of minor crimes, including theft and assault with a deadly weapon. Cece remembered one of the victims saying the attacker smelled of oil. So she got onto Bowden's social media and saw that he really loved working on cars. The more investigators looked into Bowden, the more confident they became that he was their guy. But investigators needed solid evidence linking Bowden to the crime. So they turned to DNA. Now, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but police grabbed Bowden's DNA from his discarded trash. Apparently, this is legal, but for many critics of this case, it was viewed as an invasion of privacy. And I guess if it catches a killer or at least a serial rapist, I'm okay with it. But it's still scary to think that someone can use my discarded trash to pin me to a case. Now, police compared Bowden's collected DNA with the DNA that they had on file. 
And sure enough, it was a match. Fayetteville has finally found their Ramsey Street Rapist. On August 22nd, 2018, police arrested Bowden. He was charged with three counts of first-degree forcible rape, four counts of second-degree forcible rape, three counts of first-degree forcible sex offense, 13 counts of second-degree forcible sex offense, and several other related charges. He was immediately placed into county detention center. This was a huge victory, not only for Summer and Dyke or Cece and her team, but for the six women who for over 12 years lived with never knowing who caused so much pain in their lives. Today, Bowden is still detained, awaiting updates on his case trial. In 2019, his plea to reduce his bail amount from 18.5 million, that's right, million, to 500,000 was denied. Furthermore, District Attorney Billy West said that Bowden is also a suspect for two other sexual assaults from 1998 and 2012, one of the victims being Bowden's acquaintance. He has not been formally charged yet. West later said, quote, a new victim came forward after Mr. Bowden was charged with the other six victims, and we began investigating. We're still in the process of investigating this seventh claim, end quote. Thus, it seems like this case still has its days ahead before it sees its full closure. Personally, I'm just glad that they found the guy and he's sitting in jail, not hurting anyone else. And this case just really highlights for me the important work Cece and her team are doing with genetics. I know there are a lot of critics out there, but when you hear the success stories, it's really hard not to support the work Paraben is doing. And I highly, highly, highly suggest that you go onto Parabon's website. I mean, you could really just Google it. It, um, Parabon, by the way, is spelled P-A-R-A-B-O-N, just like how it sounds. And really go check them out. Go check out uh, what they're about. They're very transparent for the most part about the process. And then you can even read, which I found absolutely fascinating, success stories. They have some pretty major cases up there and then some cases that have been filed under cold for a long, long time, and yet they were able to put someone behind bars because of this method. And that to me is awesome, as there are tons of cold cases out there where many believe they'll never be solved, and this is another tool that can hopefully get the answers victims need. Well, guys, I really do hope that you enjoy this case, as it's not often we hear about cold cases being solved. Uh, If you liked what you heard, as always, please head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a review. It's free and quick, plus you're helping out me, the Small Time Podcast. While you're there, hit the subscribe button to be one of the first people to get new episodes. Not an Apple fan? You know what? That's okay. I get it. This show is also on Spotify as well as iHeartRadio and other platforms as well, so feel free to subscribe there. I do want to say thank you to Katherine Browning and this show's other Patreon members for supporting the show. You, yes, you, right now, who's listening, you can be one of those supporters by heading over to lightsonpod.com and clicking on the show's support page. Like I told you guys at the beginning of the show, honestly, your membership can start for little as $1, $1, which is less than what it costs to get a cup of coffee. And it gives you access to the mini episodes, Crime in 10, which they're short little 10 minute episodes, perfect for if you're on a quick like lunch break, or if you just want that extra dose of crime. 
you really got to check it out. There are some bizarre stories I've uploaded there. And you also get access to ad-free episode because everybody hates ads. Let's be real. So why not pay as little as $1 a month to get ad-free episodes? Go do it. I know you want to. Now, today's podcast shout out goes to the Lost Signal podcast. They bring you original audio play productions of the pulp and macabre with quality voice acting and sound effects. I've listened to one of their shows and I got to tell you guys, it is superb. It's one of those you just kind of want to cuddle under a blanket with a nice, good old, warm something in your hand and just kind of listen to. Perfect for the upcoming winter months coming up. Check them out wherever you listen to podcasts. They are great. Highly, highly recommend them. You can also find them on Podmoth Network. Really do want to go check them out. As always, guys, I really do encourage you to come and, uh, you know, connect with me. Uh, you can connect with me. You can connect with the show. I love talking about true crime and the paranormal. So let's get a conversation started. Love to make new friends. I only have one friend right now, technically two, and that's pretty much it. So Eliza needs some new friends. Uh, you can go ahead and connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, even good old fashioned email, which is leave the lights on podcast at gmail.com. You can even go and view the show up on podmoth.network. Really cool stuff going on there. And as always, you can find links to all of this information at lightsonpod.com. Go really check out this website. Actually, this weekend, my plan is to kind of update it and put some new stuff on there. But really, I've got great resources from past episodes. I've got the show's top five most listened to uh, episodes that you're really going to want to check out. Plus, I've got a you know, couple of goodies up there that include pictures of me and a little bit more about me, as well as links to our merch site, which really, guys, you got to go check out these shirts. They're super cute. I had a couple of our listeners already go out there and purchase them, and they sent me pictures of them wearing it, and they're just so freaking adorable. I, I'm going to get uh, a shirt for myself personally uh, as soon as payday comes. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's scary out there. So leave the lights on. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.